Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. Welcome to the show. So please introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, thanks for having me. I'm Angel Randall. I am a community and school-based therapist. Um, I also am a behavioral technician in which I work with clients with autism. Okay, so you've got a little bit of a little bit of both because I know working with autism is it has its own field, its own. Yes. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. <laughs> yeah, it can be a little different than mental health therapy. There is some overlap, but yeah. Okay. So how did you find yourself um, in that line of work? Um, so as far as autism or more of the mental health side? Either or. Okay. Um, I guess I'll start with mental health. Um, this for me goes back to high school. Um, so I'll share like a short story of how I discovered my passion for mental health and counseling. So in high school, I was taking some like college prep courses in which I had psychology one and two, and my teacher was actually a counselor. So he always told us about his clients. So I kind of was getting a little interested during high school. It wasn't in year college where um, I was offered the opportunity to a graduate program while I was still in undergrad counseling. And that's when things like burst for me. This is where I got my my true passion for thinking that this is something that I really want to do. Um, and from there, everything just took off. Um, and then for the autism side, so that for me started my senior year undergrad until a year after graduating undergrad. Um, it's when I really started to get some experience. So it's been almost like four or five years now that I've been working for um, kids with autism. For me, it was just having a really deep, intriguing interest in how they behave and how they think and how they maneuver in this world. Um, so for me, yeah, that that's what drives me to keep being interested in working with that population. It sounds like it's really fulfilling work. I know I was at a school this year for the first time, and I've worked with kids in different um, settings. Mm -hmm. In the school, is such a unique opportunity to see, you know, how the kids interact and how they behave. So I'm sure that yeah. um, it presents the same for you. Yep. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned thus far, whether it's from your clients or in your personal life? What are some of the greatest lessons? Um... The first thing that comes to my mind is trust the process. Now, this may sound really cliche, but I think it can speak volumes. So trust the process for me is about hard work and knowing that nothing that you want really, really bad is going to come easy unless there's a miracle and you may luck up. But um, from learning this from my clients as an in mental health, Therapy is a process. So you may come into therapy like the bottom of your bottom and having the courage to actually work through the process to be where you want to be. Um, and then also on the autism side, uh, that's a process in itself and helping clients to, you know, learn those the necessary skills in order to, you know, like function in this 
world of ours. So yeah, I would say trust the process is a, is a big one for me. That's so significant because as simple uh, as an idea it is, it's really challenging to trust the process and to yeah. stay committed to what the process looks like when it gets hard or when you feel like it's not working. So it's a simple, simple in theory, but in practice can present some serious challenges. And I think, you know, you bringing that up and saying, uh, just because you want something doesn't mean that you're, it's just going to drop out of the sky. You know, you're going to have to work for it, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And it's really, really hard not to give up during the process, especially if you've had so many, uh, you know, barriers that's holding you back from reaching to what you really want to achieve. It's really hard to trust what you're doing and believe that you're doing the best that you can in order to, you know, end up at the finish line. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think it comes down to like maintaining that mindset throughout it all. Yeah, I usually explain to clients, um, you know, in the intake session that therapy on its own doesn't just work miracles. You know what I mean? Like we paid probably a whole bunch more if it was just that transformational. It's because people commit to the process and actually um, do or apply the things that they're learning or that they're beginning to understand um, that make therapy really kind of help people in their lives. Yep. Definitely. So do you see any difference between those who, those who, when they, sorry, my dog is like, you're good running over here. All right. Have fun. Adios friend. (laughs) Um, when, when someone wants to quit and when someone wants to quit and doesn't, do you see differences in, in your clients? Like what makes the difference? Well, that's a really good question. So if there is a difference between those who are motivated and want to complete something opposed to those who are not motivated. And if I'm understanding your question correctly. Yeah. Cause I assume everyone at some point wants to quit it cause right. it gets hard, but those who have that challenge come up and give in and quit is there's a difference between them and what makes the difference for someone who comes up with the challenge of wanting to quit, but somehow perseveres, you know what I mean? Like what? Yeah. 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 That, that actually makes me think about my clients who struggle, struggle with addiction. And, you know, for those who have problems with addiction, you may run into a couple of relapses. And in regards to trust in the process, it may take for you to go through some relapses in order to progress, if that makes sense. Um, That may sound contradictory, but during those moments where you feel like I'm relapsing, like this is it, I want to give up. I don't want to continue to try on my, you know, recovery journey. Um, But I think people may come back stronger in that, um, opposed to some other people who may not have um, how can I put it? Like, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but sort of like for those who do not have the muster, I guess, or that back motivation or self-motivation, I think it may be harder for them to succeed. Um, not saying that you can't, you know, you always have to perform at that 100% of self-motivation. Um, but I think it's, it takes a lot in order to maintain that self-motivation. If that answers your question. 
Definitely. Um, you mentioned addictions and I, I used to do a lot more addictions work a few years back. Mm-hmm. And um, as you were talking, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Anyone that does addictions work or no, or has a, a family member that's an addict or mm-hmm. you know, deals with addiction themselves knows that relapse is a natural part of the process. You know what I mean? And yes. so, um, that is to be expected, even though it's not, you know, maybe it's not ideal, whatever that means, but it's a part of the process and no one is perfect and you don't have, it, it would be impossible to think or expect that someone who's physically or chemically or psychologically dependent on something would just all of a sudden like be fine and not want to, I mean, like, <laughs> right. yeah, that, that's unrealistic. So exactly. Uh, I don't know if it's maybe like someone allowing grace, like having, having the ability to give themselves grace to know that they're not perfect. So when, so when they um, slip up, then you can say, okay, I don't want to make this choice again. Or how can I come up with some more, Mm -hmm. some more supports or barriers to me making, you know, poor choices. Um, But it's not the end of the world. Right, exactly. And it's sort of like, we will never know what our strengths are as we don't make mistakes. We'll never know like what it what I need to work on or what I need to grow on if I am always perfect or if I never make mistakes. You know, like wow. it, it takes some setbacks sometimes in order for you to grow, in order for you to progress. That's really important, I think. We'll never know what our strengths are until we mess up, until we, yeah. until we hit a wall or something. Wow. Yeah. So in that's the lessons that you've learned, but I'm sure also on the other end of that, there's, there's a lot of things that bring you joy um, and that yeah. fuel you to continue doing work that can be really challenging. So what is it that, um, you know, brings you joy or lights you up at this point? Um, for mental health in particular, seeing my clients get it or having a aha moment. Like when the light bulb finally goes off and they get it and they actually see themselves progressing, I think for me is the most satisfying thing. Um, and sometimes this happens within a couple of weeks of starting therapy. And sometimes this can take years for people to actually get it. Mm-hmm. But once I see my clients actually trust themselves enough to succeed, um, for me, that is super satisfying. Like it could be the smallest thing. If I can give an example, um, working with a client who is trying to create more structure in their day to day, especially during the quarantine. Um, so this particular client decided to, um, I'm going to check the mail at this time every day. It took some time for her to actually do it. Um, so for me, when she actually came to therapy and reported like, oh, I checked the mail on this day to me, that was very satisfying to know that we've worked together in order to create a more structured schedule for you during this time. And then you actually muster up the motivation and trust yourself to actually succeed and do it. Something as simple as, you know, checking the mail could be huge for somebody that's struggling with pretty serious mental health problems. Um, so for me, actually seeing them make really small goals or just seeing them actually doing the work after we actually worked on the skills and therapy is very satisfying for me. 
I think I'm right there with you. Um, because it's not, I think sometimes clients, clients will think that their success lies outside of themselves, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They might think that it lies within their relationship. They think it lies within, you know, um, therapy. And as you mentioned, for them to have it click that allowing themselves, trusting themselves um, enough to, to be authentic and successful is the key that they had in them the entire time is like is I I I think I feel you in that I don't know how to describe it but when you see it you can just it they they embody themselves differently they they walk differently they see they talk about themselves differently Mm -hmm. um and that is really that is really something that is beautiful to be able to witness you know like I'm grateful I get to watch that process yeah, exactly. And a lot of times people don't always trust what other people think about them in positive ways. For example, if we say like, oh, I think you're beautiful, that does not necessarily mean that that person believes it. So actually seeing that person believe in what they can achieve is just awesome. Absolutely awesome. It's a pretty fulfilling, it's a pretty fulfilling job for sure. Yeah. I'm sure that you have had your fair share of life's challenges. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the time clients come into therapy because they're stuck or they're, they're lost and unsure of what to do next, or they feel defeated in your life when, you know, you've been presented with issues, what's been helpful for you to kind of push through or, or continue on in spite of. Um, So this is very relevant to something that I actually have been working on over the past couple of months. So recently I felt defeated when I've been trying to create um, a candle business. So creating a business in itself can be very challenging. Um, But I actually started to feel defeated or like discouraged because I was not getting the results that I wanted to see. So after experimenting, after practicing, I'm like, why am I not getting it? And it actually led to me like just giving up temporarily. So I took a couple of months off and I really had to sit with myself and I had to really think about why do I feel the way I feel? Um, And I kind of thought about some previous things that we talked about, like trusting the process. Like sometimes you have to fail in order to, you know, get back up and figure it out. And that's what I did. I went over uh, my mistakes and see how I can correct my mistakes and, you know, get better at it. And then I also looked at um, one thing of going to the speed of my own drum. And that's kind of another cliche one, but I feel like I was creating such high expectations Hmm. that I kind of had to pull it down just a little bit and kind of go at the speed of my own drum. Like, I can't control anything outside of this, what I'm doing right now. So what can I do in this time to, you know, get the best of my potential? So I had to slow myself down, not put such rigid, you know, expectations on it, be flexible, um, and just wholeheartedly do something that I am super interested and, you know, kind of passionate about. Wow. Um owning a business 
starting a business, maintaining a business mm-hmm. is hard. Okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not even hard with a D. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> but, you right. know, it'll make you really feel like you, it'll make you really think like to doubt yourself or to, to question um, your ability. And so I really do appreciate that you had mentioned that you stepped away and you allowed yourself to kind of slow down and pause and reevaluate. Um, and I think that sometimes people feel like, oh, I have to keep, like, they have to keep on like forcing a puzzle piece to fit. Yeah. Um, when that's just creating more resistance, that's just creating more frustration and agitation. And sometimes you need to walk away so that you can come back fresh, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think throughout the process of trying to start a business is, maintaining that mindset that entrepreneur mindset and I think for me it was hard to not have that critic or that person that's like I want to say person as like those thoughts in the back of your mind saying like oh this is just not the right time or who's going to want this you know like those negative thoughts that kind of can deter you away from what you really want to do Um, And one thing that I I try to do is just think like, just do it. Like you won't know how it's going to come out until you just do it. So just do it. Yeah, I'm I'm more and more of a fan of ripping the bandaid off and just starting and then Mm -hmm. allowing, allowing for growth to occur in the process. And as a recovering perfectionist, um, <laughs> it's difficult. It, it's difficult to start on anything because in my head, it needs to be absolutely perfect. Like, no, I can't do a podcast because I need a studio and I need a team right. and I need, you know, I need to have someone be doing the video while I'm doing this and, and blah. And no, 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 no. Just, you just, you just need to start. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to yeah, start. Just go with it. Just go with it. And you'll figure it out as you go. You'll learn as you go. Um, and to me, calling it out helps to to alleviate some pressure. So, you know, the whole podcast is just about, it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to be an uncut gem. And I right. ask for grace in, from my listeners because they're, they're going to be watching the progression over time and like, okay, like, yeah, you did, you know, there's things that you could tweak or, or, or do differently, but you mm-hmm. know, I ask for that grace and just be very um, upfront in that so that people at least know what they're signing themselves up for um, and know what it's about and also kind of act as a model to say, Hey, like there's something that you want to do or, or there's something that you believe in then just start and it's okay to be in the process. It's okay to not be fully formed and the perfect little butterfly. Right, exactly. And I, and I think that just kind of brings up the point of, of showing how authentic it could be because you're coming from a space where you're just so uncertain and great things can, hurt, can happen in uncertainty. Like you don't know what the end result is going to be, but at least you are authentic with yourself and knowing like, this is how I'm feeling. I don't feel too confident about it, but I'm still going to do it. And if it comes out to be great, great. Um, I think that just makes you more comfortable to just do it and trust yourself as you're doing it. You saying that makes me kind of think that self-doubt and fear um, Mm -hmm. all live in the shadows. 
Yeah. And when we, um, with ourselves, when we're the only one that knows what we're afraid of or knows like, you know, what's going on, then self-doubt and fear can attack us and and kind of have us believe that we can't act or what we're doing isn't, you know, isn't the right move. But when you just pull it out, you can, you just, you're putting it in the light. It can't live anymore. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, It's sort of like you're confronting it. Like you're choosing not to go the other way. You're actually going through it. And I actually think fear can be a motivation. Like you don't want fear to win. So you do your absolute best with the fear on your shoulder, um, which can just bring about a whole new level of self-motivation and strength. Yeah. It's important to be able to kind of transmute or um, in therapy, we call it like reframing, right? No, reframing. Yeah. something to work in our favor um and I think that in and of itself is a skill that we work on and so being able to kind of cultivate that skill of reframing things as they occur uncertainty we're living in uncertain times right now but yeah we could allow for that uncertainty to be something that makes us paralyzed and unable to do anything or say, this is going to be a time where I really focus on self-care and rest and rejuvenating myself. Or this is going to be a time where I hustle and I create content or I work on my business or, you know what I mean? And so everyone gets to decide what they want to do um, with the uncertainty, but, but doing something with it, I think is important. Empowering yourself to transmute it to reframe it so that it works in your favor the fear the doubt the uncertainty um, can be really pivotal yeah it it can and I think the hardest part is actually being willing to do it feeling like you can do it believing that you can do it because it's really hard to think that you can do it because you may have had so many past failures the um, must mustering up that the willingness to to just do it and to think that fear is I don't know sort of like making your fear tangible to feel like you can you can just knock it off and thinking that it's just not this thing that's just covering me or controlling me but actually something that I can work to my favor. That's a word right there. If you, if, if a person could be able to, to do that, honestly, Mm -hmm. you could, uh, you can apply to every aspect of your life. You know what I mean? And when you accomplish something in one area, then, and that's a part of like highlighting someone's strengths is that if you've been able to do it once in your life in any specific area, that means that you have the capability. So it's more so about expanding that skill than trying to create something out of thin air. And we all have an exception. We all have an exception to the rule in an experience where we've had success, you know? And so Mm -hmm. um, it's so important to keep that at the forefront of the mind. You have to be ready, willing, and able. And that willing part is real challenging, especially, (laughs) you know, when you have evidence of the contrary, when you have, you're like, well, when I tried to do this, it didn't work. And when I did that, this happened. And so then it almost embeds this idea that it's like, we'll see every time you try to do something, it doesn't, it's not going to happen for you. And then people come up with this belief that, oh, well, good things don't happen to me, or I'm not a successful person. And then they embody that identity, which gets in their way. 
Right. Yeah. That's like that critic, that inner critic, like you, or like the chip on your shoulder, like the devil and the angel thing, like Mm -hmm. it, that it can, it can be super controlling. It can be so rigid. It can keep you stuck. It can make you feel defeated all the time. But just that one time that you can think about where you actually were willing to confront a fear. And like you said, generalize that to other parts of your life that would be life-changing as you were as you were talking it kind of popped in my head and it sounds it probably sounds really harsh but Mm -hmm. I think that many people including myself um you know are in abusive relationships with ourselves because that inner critic that inner critic is abusive you know if you were to say the things out loud that you say to yourself in your mind you would not be okay with anyone saying that to your mother or to your friend or to your child. You would, you would say that that was abusive. And so we have to find a way to get out of this abusive relationship with ourselves in order to, you know, be able to be authentic and genuine and thrive as we were meant to. Yes. Like treating yourself how you want other people to treat you. Like, (laughs) basically, and that can take some hard work to actually confront the things that you tell yourself, or actually, you know, like, choose, choose to not listen to that inner critic, unless like you're using those things as motivation. But if it's deterring you away from what you want to do in life, then being willing to at least do the work of like, you know, peeling through that critic. And choosing not to listen to that critic, um, especially in moments where you are really motivated and not having that critic be the one that's leading your life and you being the one to actually take the critic and put it back, use it to your advantage um, and, you know, like do what you want to do. But that's, this is all easier said than done. <laughs> I say that so many times throughout my sessions. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> This, 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 and that, but easier yes. said than you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, this is not something that can happen overnight. Yeah, not typically, but if you, like you said, if you, if you trust the process and then you commit to it, um, then you'll be able to, to start at least seeing the signs, mm-hmm. at least seeing the progress, and that's what creates motivation is, is the commitment, you know what I mean? yeah. And so it's, it's, it's rough work, but we all do our best every day to, to make it happen, you know? Yeah, definitely. So if there were one thing that you would suggest for someone to live an authentic or a more fulfilling and satisfied lifestyle, what would you, what would you say? Oh, I feel like I kind of mentioned them. Um, Oh, okay. So and I hate to be so cliche, but I'll just say um, things that I tell myself. Just do it. Move to the speed of your own drum. Um, be vulnerable. Um, use your inner voice as motivation to live your best life. Mm. Use your inner voice as motivation to live your best life. I think that as long as there is a an issue, there's a need for the solution, you know? And um, you, you're saying, well, we feel like it's a little cliche, but 
you know, everyday people are waking up and and they're using their inner voice to to abuse themselves or they're using their inner voice to um allow themselves to stay stuck or or yeah. down and um as long as that's the case then we need things like um using our inner voice to remind us to to live our best life to dance to the beat of your own drum and just be vulnerable. And um, it's so important that we, as much as that the inner critic is there, that every time that we get a chance to remind ourselves of the other side that we can, you know what I mean? And that's what these Mm -hmm. conversations are about chatting with other people to see, you know, what gems do you have to offer, you know, that, that yeah, I'm right. thought about or um, that other people can listen and hear and be reminded. Cause I think that we know a lot more than we give ourselves credit for, but I think mm-hmm. that we oftentimes forget. Yeah. Because the, the way of life right now is so hard to, you know, be caught up in what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. So being, you know, just being present enough to sit with yourself and knowing like, how am I amongst all of this mess? <laughs> um, and that's what I mean when I say by be vulnerable, sit with yourself, take some time to actually reflect on you. Um, all, all the while this stuff is going on, like, you know, with COVID-19 and quarantining and social distancing and all that actually take a moment to be in the present with yourself and reflect yeah I appreciate you I really do thank you for coming on the show and sharing your gems where can we find you and support you um, on the internet um you can find me on instagram at you're my angel underscore and thank you so much for this experience this was great If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.